Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to Schooled with Carla Hulse. Join Carla as she explores K-12 education disruption and has deep dive conversations with ed leaders, ed tech, ed foundations, ed professional service organizations, and ed educators who school her on ed innovations and their impact on educational policy across the country. Here's Carla. So welcome to Schooled Me Too. It's so good to have you back again this year. You were my first guest on Schooled last summer. And just as a reminder, last year, I talked a lot about, I thought the pandemic would be a lightning rod to spark transformation in K-12 education. And, you know, I've talked about everything from the influx of money that came in, right? The ESSER funds. I've talked about... um the feds wanting to kind of roll out some big initiatives that could solve learning loss, like community schools, after school tutoring. I've had guests come on and talk about um, community organizing and how that could help transform. You, you and I talked last summer about professional learning organizations and their roles. I've talked to tech companies. I say all this to say that what you really honed in on was this idea of a design flaw. And do you think that the pandemic at all shed a light on the system is flawed? Do you think that idea is coming to the forefront at all because of the pandemic or or not? What do you think? Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's really nice to be back. Nice to reconnect. <laughs> uh, I've been looking forward to this because it gives me a chance to sort of like clarify my own uh, thinking. You, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. really don't know where you are until you get a chance to have to demonstrate, you know, yes. or share your idea. So yes. uh, I want to uh, um, preface my state- statements with that fact that it, it's okay. still a work in progress for me also. Yes. There are a few trends that I've picked up. I think on balance, the pandemic actually brought about a shift in thinking and to some extent, a shift in practice. Now, the okay. direction of the shift is not always consistent. In other words, okay. it's not always exactly the way that I think things ought to go. In many, uh, in many respects, it's actually um, brought to the surface much more clearly the the rift between different mm. parts of our society when it comes to mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. and schooling in general. Whether that's about the mm-hmm. pandemic, whether it's about uh, the curriculum, things like critical race mm-hmm. theory and uh, well, yep. equity. So, yes, did it have an effect? Yes, it did. But it's not always, it's not moving us in the, everyone in a positive direction. And it's mm-hmm. actually, again, made much more pronounced the fault lines between diff- yes. different philosophies about education and different ways of being. So, yes, to shift, but the shift is on, not always 
aligned. Yeah, that's great. You, you bring up this point around, in my mind, you know, I have very clear ideas around what I wanted to change. And, and I'll get to that in a little bit. So in my mind, it's like nothing has changed, but a lot really has changed yeah. in the educational landscape. And I'm just going to run through a few numbers for you. So um, on the, not so much on the federal level, this is really a state mm -hmm level shift where most of the change really happened were two places. It was kind of like the feds would roll out a big initiative like No Child Left Behind, right? That was a big change. And so positive or negatively, that No Child Left Behind really changed how we looked at accountability. So change happened there. And then most of the other changes were happening kind of at the local level, again, back in the day. So I was a part of a reform group. And we were kind of transforming Chicago public schools. So that's a local thing. But now I'm seeing the shift in the middle, states, governors, state legislatures. And so let me just run through some numbers here. The following states have banned critical race theory, Arkansas, Florida, Idaho, Iowa, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, Tennessee. Some other states have are starting to move through their state um, legislature the same thing, forbidding the teaching of critical race theory. Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Missouri, Montana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Texas, Utah, Washington, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. I mean, what? <laughs> so that's critical race. So that's curriculum, right? I'm using air quotes for folks who can't see me. And then there are these anti-LGBTQ laws, again, at the state level. You've got Florida, you've got Alabama, Utah, Tennessee, Oklahoma. So there's this rise of the states mm -hmm. that I see that change is really happening. So, but those, me too, aren't really... Um, those laws and, and those regulations will have no impact on the quality of teaching and learning yeah. in classrooms. They will have zero impact on equitable funding. They will have zero impact on pre-service or high-quality teachers or high-quality leaders. So it's like this superficial, I don't want to say fringe, but kind of like this reactionary um, response to policy. Mm -hmm that gets into the public opinion, but does really nothing mm -hmm. in the day-to-day -day of how schools are operating in America. So what is that about, yeah. well, do you think? I mean, I think, I, I think one thing we have to recognize, <clears throat> just call to mind again, is the fact that one of the fundamental reasons we have public schools is to shape the, how we want our citizens to be. Mm -hmm. And in the case of the U.S., we have at least 50 entities that have a lot of latitude to sh change that. So education is not a, a federal function. The federal is on the margins, you know, suddenly with certain mm -hmm. le legislation and, and some money that would be discretionary. Mm -hmm. But most of it is quite rightly at the state level. Mm -hmm. So because uh, control of our education, including what's taught and where monies go, is a, a local thing. It's, it cannot be divorced from the local cultural context or the local politics. There's mm -hmm. just no way around that. So yeah. the, you can draw a straight line between, you see a strong correlation between the states that are on the left side of the debate and the politics mm -hmm. of the culture of those states and the ones on the right side and the politics and, and, and culture. So you, you yeah. won't see 
California banning CRT, but that's because <laughs> of California's nature, you know, but Correct. some of the other states, you know, doing the same thing. Uh, until we, you know, stress on it's the state level mm-hmm. where the next battle lines are really been formed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I'm afraid that we will end up going, you know, maybe not quite 50 different ways, but maybe five different ways for a while because yeah. our, our country and our society is really, really divided. And yeah. what happens to schools and what happens at the school level, that's a yes. direct relationship to what's happening in, in a in a larger geopolitical environment within, within each state. Yeah. Uh, you know, so s- sadly, we're going to be here for a while until yeah. the state politics and the state context sort of, you know, clarifies itself. When I hear those kinds of comments that you've made, and, and that's really where everyone is, they're like, well, we're just going to have to be this way or it's going to be 50 plus because remember, we've got DOD schools, we've got the territories, they're right. all doing their own thing as well. But I say it's because it's because of the lack of leadership at the federal level mm-hmm. to say what public education should be about that, al- that allows the splintering. Mm-hmm. And so I keep trying to bring it back to we need to have the feds as well as our unions, right? Because the teachers' unions are also in the fray arguing about what they want to argue about. Um, if there could be a unified voice around transformation really should be about, and this is my own view, so I'm going to say this is Carla's view, um, the structures are flawed. And the structures being ED, which is the U.S. Department of Ed, State Departments of Ed, county offices, and school boards. Those need to be revisited. Funding needs to be revisited for equity and equality. That's another one. The way we look at accountability We need to get closer to ROI and less just on outcomes of student data. And then lastly, which is a huge driver, pre-service. We've got these colleges of education running around here who aren't producing high-quality teachers or leaders. And if that is what Ed is talking about and our unions, then we could, I think people could get on board with those four things, right? They're not controversial. How we get there could get controversial, but if we don't have that conversation, then yes, we were going to have 50 plus different beliefs. And then you've got states running around going, we want to be anti-LGBTQ. We want to be anti-QRT, which is really just anti-black and brown. And we right, we want to be anti-poverty. We've got, you know, we're in California, but there are places in California yeah. that are carving out rich niches so that poor people can't go to their school. So California is in the a mecca of equity, right? So, but if we could talk about what what the structure needs to look like. What does funding need to look like? How are we going to hold ourselves accountable? And then how do we prepare people for this this industry? People could get on board with those things, but we don't know what we're talking about. So people just are throwing anything into the ring and we're just having circular conversations and circular going around a drain. Like it's just getting bad in my vision, but that's kind of how I, yeah. I view it. Uh, Carla, paradoxically, I think because our schools exist within a, a certain context and we have schooling set up almost constitutionally. I'm kind of going beyond what I, mm-hmm. I, I can really speak to. It's, it's the states that really run our education system. If we want to do what you're suggesting, which is for the feds to get their act together, the feds, yes. the feds have to do that through Congress. So you have to, Yes, they do. Right. 
Uh, and in that, while attempting to do that, you know, those folks are not going to go against their state interests. Okay. So the, the realist in me, uh, you know, agrees with you that I will, I will start at the state level. Mm-hmm. The, the feds can make certain big things happen, like no child left yes. behind. Yep. They could do the uh, pandemic piece too, especially because they had mm-hmm. a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Be, beyond that, uh, imagining a, a federal, uh, you know, federal control or oversight mm-hmm. in an accountability sense on, on education in this country is a pipe dream at this point in time. So, what can we do with where we have, we have leverage, and that's at the state level, right? And if, if, if my line of reason is all kept to the point at the state level, then it's a 50-state, one-by-one battle. Right. Now, the good news is that, you know, uh, everyone wants things to improve. Even those that seem to take a different point of view from the ones that you and I share, they still want right. what's best for their, their community. So Correct. I will actually suggest that we allow them to, we allow the states to do it their own way. And then mm-hmm. the, the outcome that you get will be in line with. Is what you get. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So the fact that we have this, you know, one side uh, is on this side and some sits on that side. I think that's very, it's actually pretty entrepreneurial. Right? Yeah. You know, let Montana do it Montana's way. It could work. Totally. Let California, yeah. California's way. That could work very well also. There's, yeah. there's a marketplace that will sort of settle mm. things. And the marketplace actually starts with parents too. If yes. working for my kid, I'm going to move into that state or that neighborhood. And, Correct. and if it's not, I'm going to move out. And employers also, uh, 50 states duking it out right. on, uh, based on what they feel is best for their state. It's not a bad idea. Uh, yeah. Uh, as long as you know one of them, preferably both of them, begin to show, show some results. So rather than fighting all of them together on the same page, which would right. happen, I will ask, right. I will give the states latitude to get to to devise their own ways of getting to some common set of outcomes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think that's also assuming that there are some levels of equity already happening inside of Montana or inside of Texas, right? So, but what if I don't have the wherewithal to move? And, and even if your state is doing okay, people, and I'm not going to say who those people are, will still carve out a niche for their special little kids, right? Whether it's charter or private or just our neighborhood is so exclusive, you can't afford a home in this neighborhood. And so that's what I'm trying to fight against. I I want the feds to step up and be the purveyors of equity everywhere to always call foul. Montana, you fouled. Your funding formula isn't equitable. You're, you're tipping the balance towards non-poverty. So if you leave it up to the market, the market is always going to go where it can continue to have really good gains, which is where there are a lack of poverty, a lack of children who don't speak English. And so it's like, I'm going to put all my chips on the winning bet, rich, (laughs) right? English speaking, um, you know, uh, CEO children, not on just came here yesterday out of a war torn country, homeless community. So we, I personally don't even believe states could do right by themselves without having some governing body that says, 
you know, can call foul I think, when necessary. I think we, the idea of someone to call foul, I'll call that a referee. We really mm-hmm. need <laughs> yes. that at every level. We really do. Yes. Uh, the way I was, there's this, um, you know, framework that I used to figure out how, how much autonomy or latitude to give. So I would suggest yes. that the starting point for getting things done is to define what you want, want to get done. So those are uh-huh. the goals, your metrics, your targets. The yep. second step is the accountability piece. So mm-hmm. step one, what, what do we want to get done? What do we agree to get done? Mm-hmm. Step two, mm-hmm. how would we know we're getting it done? Accountability mm-hmm. is the ability to account. So we first have to yep. define what we want to account for. Then the big middle, I call it let my people go. So when I, <laughs> right, because they know the boundaries, exactly. right? If you know the boundaries, I, then you got to play within and that, the boundaries. That's yes. what you're making a case. And I will apply that yes. thinking from the federal level all the way down to the yes. classroom level. What, what we often do, though, when you look at legislation, is they start in the middle. They start prescribing where they want their people to go. That's not the mm-hmm. place to start. And it, Correct. It's too, you're too far away from the realities on the ground. So Correct. Uh, the equity piece will be one of those things that is a condition for step one. And if yes. you build it into your step one, you know, setting the goal, clarifying what, what yes. you want, then you have to inspect what you expect, part two, yep. accountability. Anytime you do those two things first in that order, mm-hmm. you have a much better chance. Because what the people, they let my people go in the middle, the big bulge where the money mm-hmm. goes and where the action is. What I've observed is that because the goals are clear and the accountability is clear and it has some teeth, yep. people in the middle suddenly don't feel as smart as they thought they were. Now they need, <laughs> and it's it's all of us, you know, now yes. we need some guidance, we need some direction. Yes. But most legislation we have, we, we very rarely make the goals clear and the accountability right. will say we'll define that as we go along, wrong way to go. So you have to, or we you don't know, define it at, at all. all. Well, that's right. That's, so that's really yeah. I, so right now, right now we've got the you know ARPA funds and ESSER funds, yeah. right? And then the feds say, okay, tutoring, community schools, after school, go have fun. Exactly. And I'm saying I want my money uh, back. I want my tax exactly. dollars back because this is just nothing. This is just a, a Cla- wash of money that's mistake. going nowhere. And they've, they've gone into the let my people go block before they yeah. define how we will know we get in there. And we make that mistake, mistake with legislation all the time. Uh, it's a very, it, it's a, it's a huge psycho emotional shift to do my step to the accountability first, because mm-hmm. once you really sign up for the accountability, now you've hemmed yourself in. So generally, we, yes. we always punt, or we just kick the can down the road that yes. we'll get to that someday. And when this, and we. Uh, try to prescribe for the practitioners or the local communities what they should do, tutoring, after school. Yes. Well, that might not be the best fit for everybody. Yeah. Okay, so if we could just step back in the way we create, you know, legislation at the federal and state level, what do what uh, outcomes do we want? Correct. How would we know we're getting those outcomes? And we Correct. can put in some guiding principles, you know, uh, equity, Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of those kinds of big ideas could be part of the conditions in the outcomes right. definition. When if you do that first, then you can allow the states to duke it out because Correct. we're now fighting over 
what's the best way to get to the same outcome Correct. and the same accountability. Correct. Yeah. Right. It gets to this point. So again, if it were community schools or whatever they're saying, it would be then, well, what does community schools look like mm-hmm. in every context, right? If I'm on a reservation, yeah. if I'm in rural California, if I'm in New York City or in Beverly Hills, what does community schools look like in those various contexts? Then what are the resources that each of those contexts will need to live out community schools? Mm -hmm. And what will be the end results of those community schools? Then I'm on board. But if you're just going to say tutoring community schools, and here's some random dollar figure we've pulled out of a magic hat, because we think this dollar figure will do it. uh, It's just asinine. We started by talking about uh, design flaws with the mm-hmm. scenario laid out that is a flawed design because Correct. the place to start is not to declare community schools as a goal and then tell people <laughs> what to do and then accountability it's to decide where we want to go accountability and mm-hmm. allow a lot of latitude in the middle it could be right. this way it could be you know uh, process a, path A or pathway B or pathway C there's more than one way to get home well, we just Correct. want to make sure that everybody is getting all the kids home. And Correct. Uh, at the federal level and the state level, and really by default at the district level, we don't always define what is home, step one. Correct. And how we will know we're getting kids home. If you could do those two first, you would change everything. And it's not about I know. It, just about life in general. When you're clear about what you want and how I you're going to hold yourself accountable, the, the middle part, now will be shaped by the best programs yes. that will get you home. But if you don't define yeah. home and you don't define the accountability, you let a thousand flowers will bloom and many of them will turn to weeds. Why is it seem so? E- why is it so crystal clear for us though? Like it is not difficult in my mind, and I know it's not difficult in your mind. Why is it so crystal clear for us to see and understand and enact? Because that's how both of our organizations yeah. work. Why are we the outliers though? So what, what is it though that we're missing? Why is it that we're so willing, we collectively willing to continue in this flawed system day after day, week after week, year after year, month, centuries? I mean, it just has not stopped. It's like this spinning wheel. We can answer that question at multiple levels. The one level (laughs) that we can talk about, the most of the thinking most of the brain work that's gone into school reform nationally and statewide has really been more program-driven, yes. even by the heavy thinkers in this profession. Yes. Not yes. too many of the those of us outside of the uh, day-to-day piece really talk about the design. We, we design programs. The programs mm-hmm. kind of make sense, but they, mm-hmm. the things that are missing, the clarity about outcome and an accountability piece first yep very few of us do that if we can correct if we can really begin to push that so for with our firm for example what we do with our clients we don't try to tell them what what programs to run we're not close enough to it it's not an area that right but we spend a lot of time helping them clarify their plan their metrics and so on step one and then step two we help them clarify, how would you know you're getting to where you say you want to get to? Mm-hmm. So rather mm-hmm. than us trying to sell you a perfect program, which could piss, piss you off because you have a different yeah. program, you say, 
you know, try the programs that you want, but make right. sure the programs are in alignment with what you say you want and the yeah. metrics that will tell you that you're getting it. Do those two first. You'll be a much smarter selector of the right program. So uh, now imagine it coming from federal to the state mm -hmm. at the programmatic level, too far remote from the realities on the ground. You sure? Yeah. The closer you get to programs, the greater latitude you give those who are going to be implementing the program. That's what. Yeah, and I think so. You were talking about there's so few of us who have the same idea around, uh, in essence, a design flaw. I think what's built into or baked into K-12 education is the notion or the acceptance of failure. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the IES latest report on the conditions of education, mm -hmm. which came out recently. It's their annual report on the state of education. And, and, and in it, they talk about, obviously, the NAEP scores and the TIMS yeah. scores. As of last year for TIMS, well, it's 2019 for TIMS, the United States is ranked 16th, so we're not so great. And it's embarrassing because countries above us include places like Russia, <laughs> that we always say is such a bad place, or places like Lithuania or Australia. So we're not doing so well on the international scale. But the NAEP scores were really interesting for me because um, those were from 2020 with the last um, NAEP scores. And for 13-year-olds, we're averaging their reading scale scores at 260, which are the exact scores that our 13-year-olds got in 2008. Mm. So no big difference there. And then our nine-year-olds for in 2020 were scoring at 220. Ninth graders. Again, this is uh -huh, exact same score that they got in 2008. So it's like, well, of course, because our system is built to do exactly what it's supposed to do. We shouldn't see gains because we're giving them the same crappy reading programs. Mm. And I'm emphasizing reading programs and the same crappy math programs, right? So why would we expect anything different where our kids are performing just where they should be performing, right? Our teacher prep programs are still the same. They're still producing the same quality of teacher. Our leadership programs are the same. So if we don't tackle the design, why do we expect NAEP and TIM scores to be different? Yeah. And, but I think we're okay with that. Rather than saying community schools are the answer, why don't we say, well, what's, what's giving us this 260? Right. Why are we 16th behind Russia, Singapore, Taipei, Hong Kong? You know, why? Why? What is it about our teachers, our leaders? What is it about how we fund schools? Right? Like those, those really concrete foundational things. And no one seems to like, that doesn't even come up in this conditions report. Correct. I've got our own institutions who put out these 90-page reports, yeah. can't even get it right. I mean, now we, um, I really... <laughs> I appreciate the shift that we're making in our conversation today. We started talking about the the larger global context, I mean, our national context, which makes sense yeah. because it has an impact. The most practical way to get things moving is what you just touched on, because the, the magic happens at the intersection of student, teacher, and content, you know, the instructional yes. core. So what can we yeah. do to make life uh, a lot more uh, effective, and higher quality for teachers and those who are teaching the kids. Sadly, mm -hmm. and I reflect on this even with the work that we do in my firm, the uh, most of the people we end up working with uh, will be the principal and above. Or ask ourselves, you know, you, you just spend two days or three days with, uh, with principals and superintendents and some teacher leaders, 
Ask yourself honestly, motu and performance fact. Come Monday, or even come a month from now, how much do you think what you've just spent two days on, how much mm-hmm. difference do you think it'll make to Mrs. in Mrs. Jones' class? So, I mean, that, that's a, those are the kinds of questions I'm asking myself. We do beautiful yes. work, we think, um, yep. but what's the trans, you know, the transfer rate to yes. the student-teacher content level? And Correct. it's helping us adjust our own practices now, even though we don't we don't train teachers directly, the prince, the school leaders we work with, we're not asking them. So, are you going to take this stuff back to yep. what happens at the school level? And when we've done that, we've seen much better yeah. results than we've seen in in the uh, recent past. Actually, I mean, just speaking yeah. truthfully, we have to yeah. impact what happens when student teacher and content come together. Yeah, no, and I've been asking those very questions of the feds. Again, I keep harping back to these initiatives that they are suggesting that districts roll out as a result of the ESSER fund. So I'm thinking, okay, so then what's going to be different for a teacher if she's now supposedly teaching in a community school? How does that change her teacher practice or his teacher practice? Um, What does tutoring now look like for a teacher, Mrs. Jones? And then I also ask, so then what ownership do colleges of education now have for integrating community schools into their models and there's no press for that again i think we've just are okay with this acceptance of failure otherwise we would do something different right absolutely i mean imagine on the the pre-service piece which i think it's something that we can do something about if um you have to change some the market forces that the goal for a, a pre-service institution is, uh, I call it, ready from day one. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you mm-hmm. get a, that your program, one of the ways we rate programs and, you know, assess how effective they are is to what extent do they get their graduates ready from day one. It's not, a, Correct. It's, it's not such a crazy idea. Uh, ready from day one means I'm a new teacher, I, I have enough experience on classroom management. You know, yes. I, uh, I've learned a few tricks about how to teach reading and math. And, but mm-hmm. it's still very abstract. And the burden is on the districts to Correct. get them ready from day one, which they won't be on day one. because it's Correct. Kind of so they just spend a, a million dollars PDing teachers. Exactly. So if we were to shift that responsibility, that expectation to the pre-service institutions, now yes. they, those teachers walk in, with the theoretical or conceptual yes. understanding. And now they just have to put it into practice. And for all of us, whether it's making cheese souffle or teaching kids, you know, practice yeah. becomes best practice through practice. But at least you know right. what those practices ought to be. You know what they should be before you enter the classroom. Exactly. Now just work it. Now work it. Right. It's, yeah. Time. Again, things that make perfect sense to you and I. But for some reason, it has not resonated in our profession. Can you imagine? So before we went on live, listeners, we were talking about um, my spouse who's going through cancer treatment and just working with the medical field. Even in the flaws of what we think cancer treatment should be, the doctors that my husband is working with, those people know what they're, they are experts in radiation oncology. They know their field. They're not trying to figure out and get PD'd on how to treat cancer, or I wouldn't go to them. For some reason in education, it's okay that we've got teachers who don't know how to teach five and six-year-olds how to read. Yeah. 
And so we pass those five and six-year-olds on to the first grade teacher, and they take a NAEP test, and we go, wow, they can't read. <laughs> okay. So now we bring, we hire whatever reading company yeah. to come in and give our teachers some PD on how to teach reading. This is insane to me. Yeah. You know, I don't know. And you make me think about, I'm just running this graphical thing through in my mind. By far mm. the most important player in the whole thing is the teacher. Yes. And the most maligned or underappreciated is also the teacher. So talk about, uh -huh. we said myself of a failure. So if we put the teacher at the center, notice I'm even putting the teacher before the student because oh, how yeah. far the kids go is a function of how far the teacher has gone Correct. in mastering here our own practice. So if we want Correct. all kids to get home, the most important player we have to pay attention is the teacher. And, and then we can now say, so now the teacher is really the primary subject. How do we set that teacher up for success? Well, you yes. know, give them all the early learning tools that they need. And that's why mm -hmm. that pre-service people have a, a role to play in that. The induction yes. programs at the district level has a role to play in that. You know, teacher yes. coaching and mentoring. So if we, yes. if we now um, switch the model politically, and emotionally for some folks, it's, it's, it's tough for them to buy because everyone puts the kids at the center. And I'm saying we put the teacher at the center. I want to put the cause for student learning yes. at the center. And the Correct. effect is what happens with kids. Correct. Okay, so if we now begin to design uh, uh, solutions and all of our fancy programs and all these fancy ideas all of us generate with, with teacher uh, effectiveness, as the mm -hmm. primary goal, I think we'll have different yep. things. So tutor, something like tutoring will not be the first thing we talk about in my Correct. model. Unless you, yep, talk about, absolutely. unless you talk about tutoring and mentoring and coaching for teachers. Correct. Okay. So, yep. so, I mean, just the design itself, put, it, yes. put the teacher at the center. Yes. And, you, and that's why I'm saying, Mewtwo, people can get around that. People could rally around this very conversation we're talking about mm -hmm. rather than getting distracted and splintered into these political conversations Correct. around critical race theory and LGBTQ Correct. legislation, Correct. right? It should be around teacher quality yeah. and taking a hard look at pre-service colleges of education and how we fund schools so teachers aren't on Twitter trying to get their supplies. Correct. Again, can you imagine, again, we're down the street from where my husband's getting treated, the doctors begging on Twitter for supplies to treat cancer? Yeah. We would be livid. Correct. What is it going to take, I think, mm -hmm. just to kind of bring this conversation to a close? What do you think it's going to take? The pandemic didn't quite do it. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't quite shake it up in the ways that we thought it would. What now do you think it will take to get people to shift their focus on the core of high quality teaching and that high quality teaching needs to be funded to a X, whatever that level is right. to produce the results that we really want. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be the person we elect next? Um, is it going to be? It's, it's such a big country and we're still a country where most things really take care, take place at a local level. At the mm -hmm. federal level, if you, you could get more or less done depending on who happens to be our president. But quite frankly, mm -hmm. relative to the scale of our public school system, they can only help on the margins. Maybe an extra 5%, maybe 7.3%. But uh, education in the U.S. is primarily state and local function. And that, yeah. that's not going to change anytime soon. I'm not even convinced it needs to change.
what's the you know back to your question the uh, this is helping me just even uh, rethink some ways of thinking in our own work and also strengthen yeah. other I will still start with clarity about what is the goal or what are the goals for our education system and how do would we know we're making progress towards the goal so that's my step one on the goal yeah. and outcome piece and step two on the accountability Ability yeah. just means ability to account. It doesn't mean flogging yeah. folks. Okay. Then, right, right. so that's my one and two. Then in the middle, I will still do let my people go. But what I will mm-hmm. do differently as I'm thinking about this now, Carla, is that I will be more, and I'm going to do this with our clients, I'll be more intentional about drawing a circle. And inside that circle will be uh, the teacher. Mm-hmm. And then... What, what's the treatment or what's the support system we need to get that teacher to be able to rock and roll and to yeah. have the teacher become over time the kind of person that can teach any kid. That's what we want. Correct. Get the teacher Correct. to that. So they, now I can talk about the programs to get the teacher there. Well, pre-service, then, yes. uh, you know, the early in-service period, the continuous learning, the compensation you know, yes. All of those things, but now yes. it's the the teachers at the fulcrum. You get them yes. there; they have no choice but to get more kids on because they're much more effective. They're happier, they you know, yeah. are better rewarded, and so on and so forth. And yeah, uh, how to move that from a theoretical concept to actually be part of the design of school, yes. elevate teachers and teaching. Yes, and then yeah. and then. That, that's where most of the conversation will go. So when the feds come out with the next thing, they don't dictate tutoring, which is about mm-hmm, kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. saying take it all away, but we just rebalance things. Maybe we go, the uh, we insist on 50% of the uh, effort will be those where the student is the primary re- re- recipient to mm-hmm. uh, 50% the teacher versus what we have now. It's always like 90% students, as yeah. a recipient, ten percent barely uh, teachers. I will flip yeah. those proportions. The teacher is the most important player, and how do I get that person to be a yeah. teacher who can teach any kid, yeah. any kid? Because when most yeah, people chose to become teachers yep. to come into the profession, I don't. I can't imagine them saying, "I want to be a teacher of just tall kids, or short kids, or brown <laughs> kids, or white right, kids." Right. I just want right. to be a teacher. And how, to, how do we get more of our uh, professional educators to yeah. live in an environment that's more in line with what called them to the profession in the first place? Yeah. How do we help them to be the best they can be in our profession? You've mentioned this idea of like the feds not really having a role, but they have and they do and they can. So think back to desegregation. Mm-hmm. Think back to IDEA. My biases always goes to policy because Mm -hmm. that's just, that's where I, that's where my passion was and still is. And I always think there's a political way to get somewhere. I think you just, that's just how things have worked in this country. I think there's, I think again, and I'm also thinking back to one of my guests, Jose Rico, who talked about community organizing happening from the inside. You have to have someone in the inside. You have to have people on the outside bucking the system, yeah. and then you have to have folks somewhere in the middle. And so I think we, if we're going to get from the theoretical, which we are talking about, to the actual application, we've got to organize inside schools, because mm-hmm. you keep talking about how this is a local fight. 
So school by school, community by community, district by district, state by state. So we've got to do some community organizing around these kind of larger bucket things that we've talked about today. Pre-service, accountability, funding, the role of ed, and get people to understand that those are the things we should be fighting about. And then have people at the Fed level say, we do need to change the way that yes. we're doing our work. Yeah. Um, we do need to make sure that all states are equitable. We need to make sure that we understand how we should fund schooling. It can't be solely based on real estate, right? Yeah. So something yeah. has to change there. So I think there has to be kind of both and. There's got to be pressure Absolutely. from the top, Absolutely. pressure from the bottom, but we've got to be organizing around these, these kind of core values no, that absolutely. we're talking about today. I'm just trying to figure out who and how do we get that organizing started? Yeah, I, I think the, uh, we sort of have to be opportunistic about the who and how. And if we want to do it the way, the theoretical way, we'll go Fed, state, district, mm -hmm. but that won't work because the, the Fed's role again could be the bullet pulpit. Also, uh -huh. be you give the a good example of desegregation and uh, IDEA yes. uh, or yeah. you know, Title Nine. That's a Title role nine, for yeah. the, the the way I see the Feds is um, it's the three percent or the five five percent or seven percent that makes a huge difference. So mm -hmm. every little mm -hmm. piece the Feds could rally around really has yes. a multiplicative effect on the end. Yes. What I'm what yes. I'm cautioning against is not to let the Fed piece go from 3%, 7% to 37% for in this country. All right. Yeah, I mean, again, I see them as the purveyor of equity, right? They're calling the foul because that's what IDEA is. It's foul, exactly. right? Desegregation, foul. They're not then coming in and then telling you how to prescribe yes. IDEA, but they've got to be the purveyor of equity otherwise. And I think I, I'm just not okay with all kids, no matter if they're in Montana, Hawaii, Florida, I, I'm just really, I don't trust governors <laughs> to always get it right. You don't trust all, right? I don't. don't trust all governors. No, I don't. I, hey, I, we've got Newsom, right? We should be happy with Newsom. I don't, I don't necessarily trust Newsom, right? We should all say, someone should be able to say, you fouled. Yeah. Right? You didn't do it right. Well, but if you play, Whether there is a liberal or If you play that out, then before mm -hmm. um, I, I was watching the women's soccer over the weekend, and yes. it, it, I mean, I've played soccer most of my life. It just occurred to me, I watched the referee on a soccer field. You don't have people arguing with the referee too often about the course right. because the rules are quite clear. So right. back again to my step one on what we want yes. in the game of soccer and then step, yes. step two, the accountability piece. And then in the middle, you can all duke it out. But as someone in charge of right. guardrails. And that's the yes. purveyor of equity or what I call the yes. referee. Uh, yes. If they so back to the design context. If if the design is flawed, that means the foundations are weak. And without foundation, nothing is secure. So we still have to come back to the way we design things. The feds that we uh you're making a case for have to shift their thinking from uh, the whole Fed thing when it comes to money is to fund specific programs. They fund initiatives, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. straight mm -hmm. to step three. Mm -hmm. Now, if the Feds could get better at the Title IX, IDEA, you know, types of roles, I, I would. Mm -hmm. The equity piece is somewhat there because of the uh, 
the title expectations, not the working job. And then if the feds can be more directive, at least a lot clearer about uh, outcome. I've never, a school level, district level, where uh, a district or school got a federal grant and somebody actually came back to them four years after the grant is over to say, so show me the money. Exactly. There's never a return on investment. It doesn't exist. That's why I said accountability needs to be return on investment. And also... Here are the guardrails of the of, of the, the of, yeah, grant. Exactly. That's the that's the purveyor of equity. Because even 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 saying show me the money, they're not even. I want them to say every month, year, whatever. What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you doing that? You're harming this group of kids. You're you know you're favoring this right. group of kids. What do we mean by good, high quality education in America? Let's build that play box, yeah. and let's play in the sand fairly. We don't even know what it is. Yeah, I think the, uh, I'm really liking the purvey of equity uh, uh, <laughs> analogy or metaphor. And yeah. is. What, the, what would be nice for the feds to do is to take up the guardrails. Yes. The first part of the guardrail, back to it again, is getting clever. What, what is this for? And then mm-hmm. the second part of the guardrails will be how we will know you get in there. Then the mm-hmm. third part will be the let my people go. Now, you yeah. can still put some uh, boundary conditions on the let my people go. You can say, you know, you can go, but you have to have this condition met or this guideline met. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Correct. Okay. Any last parting words before we yeah. I th- I mean, end this wonderful podcast Yeah, this, this has really been a, a enjoyable. Uh, it reinforces that this is a, a journey. You know, yeah. that there's no, there are no quick fixes. And in, in preparing for our conversation this morning, Carla, I really, the, the questions you sent me really helped with context. Okay. That the, yeah, it, it really did. That we have to, uh, we want to be quick without hurrying. And, yeah. and we also have to figure out what I've been telling my own team, how to be twice as effective in half the time. With everything, you know, so just get a, a yeah. factor of four. You know, how yeah. do we sp- accelerate things? So this was helpful. Then the second thing I've come to realize is that the, um, you know, looking for a grand solution mm-hmm. is impractical because mm-hmm. of the way we set up our union. You know, correct. Uh, we'll come together around certain things at the federal level, but most of the powers to remain at the state level. And this morning, um, it's helped help me really don't, instead of fighting this Montana's approach or California's approach, just say, okay, you guys go do it your way. But at the end, we want to see these kinds of outcomes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in Montana, we have a Montanian way of doing things. California, we have a California way of doing things. But yeah. they have to get the outcomes we want for the access by all levels of kids and then the outcomes. Which are the two dimensions yeah. of equity? Do they have access? Yeah. And then do they have the outcomes? And if you can show me yeah. that they're having access, that means they're not being left out. And then you show me that you didn't allow them in, but kept them in the back of the room, so to speak. They're getting outcomes, right. you find. So defining the access indicators and the outcome indicators for every program will not only take care of moving all kids along, but it will make sure that, you know, the certain kinds of groups are not left behind. Well, like I said, me too, this has been an exciting two years. I mean, I 
never thought I'd do a podcast, but when I got into it, I thought these are some amazing conversations. So again, I can't thank you enough for agreeing to do this last summer and for being my last guest. It's been such a pleasure and an honor and um, take care. Thank you. Same here. I really appreciate the opportunity, Carla. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening. Schooled with Carla Hulse is available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.